sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hello and welcome back to the Pro-Life America podcast. My name is Mark Crutcher, as you heard. And as you also heard, I'm joined as usual, or as always actually, by my comical sidekick who's lurking nearby, Sarah Waits. Hello, everybody. We've got a great show for you today. A very informative show. Yes. Many of you may have seen the news about how the FDA has decided now that women will not be required to go visit a doctor's office in order to get chemical abortion pills. And all this is under the guise of, quote, quote, the greater good for COVID, right? But this is not anything that just happened overnight. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've kind of heard about the origins of this back in March. If you haven't, I recommend you go listen to episode three of our podcast. But basically, back in very late March, early April of 2020, back in the early stages of the pandemic, Javier Becerra, which you now know is the new secretary of HHS, but back then he was attorney general of California, sent a letter with 20 other Democrat attorney generals to the FDA requesting that the restrictions on microprostone or RU-46 be lifted and allowed for telemed abortions where women can get it without having to actually physically see a doctor. And so they were doing this again under the guise of the greater good pandemic, Hmm. you know, bodies in the street. We have to do this. So then in May of 2020, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists filed a lawsuit against the FDA against the requirements that women have to go see a doctor in order to get the pill, claiming that it was an undue burden on women seeking an abortion during the pandemic. Now, under the Trump administration, the FDA defended their decision to adhere to the requirement. Which, by the way, is what the pro-aborts always said they wanted. Yeah, right. And, of course, they were lying through their teeth, and we were telling everybody that they were lying through their teeth. Yeah. They said, oh, this has to be done by doctors in a controlled environment and safe, and yeah, they didn't care. Exactly. And then, in March of just this year, medical groups and abortion rights groups sent a letter to Biden and Harris asking again for the FDA to lift the restrictions during the pandemic. Now, of course, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, Bercera, who is the attorney general, who is now secretary of the HHS, and guess what has happened now? Yeah, guess So the FDA sent a letter to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the same ones who were filing that lawsuit, saying, we won't require women to come to the doctor anymore. They can just get it through the mail. And Janet Woodcock, who is the acting head at the moment, said that reviews of recent studies, quote, do not appear to show increases in serious safety concerns, unquote, when women take the pill without visiting a health facility. That's interesting, considering we have quotes even from people within the abortion industry. Yeah, who are saying how dangerous this is. Yes. Well, let's go over a couple of things here. First off, I said for years Mm -hmm. that the abortion lobby would be perfectly okay with abortion pills being sold in bubble packs at the checkout at the 7-Eleven store. Yeah. And people thought I was nuts. Here we are. They're not even going to make them go to the 7-Eleven. You can just get it through the mail. Yeah. And they're selling this as a response to the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. Let me predict right here, right now. 
Yeah. When the COVID situation is over, they will not go back and say, mm-hmm. oh, we don't need this anymore. They'll say, oh, look how good this has worked out. We're going to keep it this way. Or they'll just quietly make no. It'll just go away. Yeah, it'll just be a little right. small little section at the very back of the newspaper saying the FDA has decided to get rid of the requirements. Right. It's going to be very under the radar. Now, we did a show years ago on our old Life Talk program about the distinction between the way the clinical trials with for RU46 were conducted mm-hmm. and the ways that it was actually done once it was uh, legalized by the Clinton administration. In the clinical trials, everything was tightly regulated. Yeah. They required that anybody in the clinical trials must live within 20 minutes of an emergency room. Just mm-hmm. That's just one example. They also required that all of the protocol of the drugs manufacturer had to be adhered to during the clinical trials. Yeah. They also, quite conveniently, by the way, were able to eliminate the situations where RU486 didn't work and, the, and parts of the baby were still in the womb mm-hmm. of the mother. They eliminated that as a complication and didn't count that as a complication. When in reality... If that material becomes necrotic, the woman can die. And there have been women die. Yeah. So once RU-46 was legalized, Mm -hmm. the protocol that they said they would adhere to from the manufacturer went away. Yeah. Just to give you an example of that, the protocol of RU-46 manufacturer says that it should be given in 600 milligram dosages. Mm -hmm. Literally, the day that it became legal for these people to sell this garbage. Yeah. They were only giving it out in 300 milligram dosages because it's so expensive. Yeah, it's to save money. It's to save money. They weren't making any money on it at 600 milligram, or they couldn't make money on it Mm -hmm. at 600 milligram dosages. So they sold it in 300 milligram dosages, knowing that that meant there would be a higher failure rate and that a lot of women would take this and then still be pregnant later on, Mm -hmm. which was a godsend for the abortion industry because what it meant was you had the profit from the chemical abortion mm-hmm. that you sold to her. When it didn't work, then you were able to sell her mechanical abortion. And of course, she fits the bill for all of this. Which she has to pay for, or her yeah. insurance company has to pay for. Yeah. This was a financial bonanza mm-hmm. for the abortion lobby. Yeah. Now they're, of course, wanting to do it just, like I said, send it through the mail. And people laughed at me. Even some people on the pro-life side said, I think you're exaggerating a little bit when you say that they'd be happy for it to be in bubble packs at the 7-Eleven. This is worse than bubble packs at the 7-Eleven. Just call and get it through the mail. Oh, yeah. Well, and I remember a few years ago, there was a college campus that put Plan B in a vending machine. Right. I mean, this is the natural evolution of this stuff. They lied in the clinical trials. They had deaths in the clinical trials that they did not report. Yeah. We found them when we were doing the research. Yeah. Well, and this is from Danco Laboratories, the manufacturer of RU46. Now, listen to what they say. Providers offering Mifeprex should be aware that, as with other types of abortions, cases of serious bacterial infection, including very rare cases of fatal septic shock, have been reported following the use of Mifeprex. Right. It's not safe. Things can happen. And, you know, when they say, well, it happens rarely. Okay, well, how many women have to die? or be permanently injured, or be sterile, before you think it's a problem. Yeah. You know, how many? Tell us how many. Well, in the world of clinical trials and medicine, there's terms like statistically significant, right? right? And so they'll talk about rarity and statistical significance. But you always have to go back and look at what they consider to be statistically insignificant. Because just because they say it is, 
doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Well, if you're the one who dies... Yeah, it's, it's significant it's, to you. It's pretty damn significant <laughs> if you're the one who dies, or if it's your daughter or your wife or sister or whoever it might be. There is a nurse and a tough choice to swallow that said, so the early medical abortion procedure avoids better confidentiality in one sense. My concern is that in the medical sense, a patient at home might not know what to do if anything went wrong. Later on, it said, if a patient is sent out the door with their pills, then there might not be any follow-up. It has been known for patients to go back and have to ask for counseling afterwards. And of course, it will not occur to some people to do that. And it can be very damaging psychologically. Finally, this says the main problem with doing it at home is that the patient has to see the product, which is passed. This is obviously pretty nasty if you have to do it yourself. Okay. Let's get into this psychological issue. Yeah. Because this is the original motivation yeah. for the legalization of RU46. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do, contrary to what a lot of pro-lifers think with increasing their profits. At $600 per abortion, you make more profit off a mechanical one than you do in an RU46 abortion. Yeah. It had nothing to do with profit. That was just the cherry on top. Yeah. What it had to do with was, and you can find quotes, we found them back when we did this show originally, where the pro-aborts are admitting that the goal here was to transfer the emotional baggage of the abortion Mm -hmm. from the abortionist and the clinic staff over onto the woman. Yeah. They can give her this crap they give her. They can send her home, and she sees the results, not them. She deals with the fallout. Right. And so it's easier to keep staff in place, and they will admit this. It's easier to keep staff in place. It's easier to keep abortionists in place. It's easier to recruit new people coming in when they don't have to see the dead bodies. Yeah, we write about this in Chapter 5 of Line 5 called Vacant Souls, and it talks about the mental toll that abortion takes on people who work inside the clinics. And then on our second thoughts page of our website, we have quotes there from clinic workers talking about what it's like to work in these places. This is not anyone's dream job. (laughs) (laughs) This is basically the blood and gore that has been adopted into the medical industry. Now, I want to bring up two issues here. We often, in the pro-life movement, make analogies to the Nazi Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And the other side, the pro-aborts and all these other godless degenerates, Go berserk over that. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't? I, you wouldn't like to be compared with Nazis, right? No, no one does. Let's make the point. When the Nazis started out, they were me- executing their victims mechanically. Mm-hmm. Shooting them are various methods that they use. Sometimes they just buried them alive to kill them. But what they discovered fairly early on, mm-hmm. and there's lots of documentation out there on this from people who wrote about it at the time and who wrote about it after the Nazi Holocaust was over, And there was one article I read called Men on the Rim. Mm -hmm. And I think I have the book at home still. But what they discovered was that they said when they dig these big holes in the ground and march these people in, Mm -hmm. then the Nazis were sitting on the rim of this hole with machine guns and shoot these people through the back of the head. And you can see pictures of this and you can see videos of it. And what's interesting is if you look closely, you can very often see these guys sitting on this rim with a bottle of whiskey beside them. Mm -hmm. They're getting drunk while they're doing this because that's the only way they can do it. And their conclusion was that when you put men on the rim of a hole in the ground and have them shoot people through the back of the head all day long that they don't know and they don't hate. Who are not attacking them. This is not a self-defense issue. You're just bringing them in on trucks and Mm -hmm. running them into this hole and shooting them. Yeah. That eventually you destroy the men on the rim. Yeah. And so 
they started looking for other ways to do these executions. And what they came up with, of course, was the gas chambers mm -hmm. at Auschwitz and Dachau and the other death camps. In that system, they brought people to the gas chambers. Mm -hmm. The Nazis did. And then they turned them over to Jewish trustees. Mm -hmm. They found people that were there who were prisoners and said, you help do this or you go in and your whole family goes in or you can help do this. And so these guys would help. So they turned them over to Jewish trustees who took them into the gas chambers, stripped them naked, and locked them in, told them they were going to get a shower, and then dropped in the gas that killed them, yeah. and then pulled them out when it was over and put them in the ovens. And in, in effect, when a Nazi brought, or a team of Nazis brought these people to the gas chambers, mm -hmm. they never saw them again. Yeah. It was out of sight, out of mind. They didn't have to visually look at it. Mm -hmm. They knew it was happening. And the parallel is the abortion clinic. When they give this woman this pill and say, okay, you go home and do this. Now take this and do this and don't do this. They don't have to see it anymore. Mm -hmm. She has to see it, but they don't have to. Yeah. And so they get insulated from their own evil. Now, one of the most chilling aspects of this, and we've talked about this before, the company that developed the gas that the Nazis used was called Zyklon B. Mm-hmm. It was developed by a company called IG Farben. Yeah. Well, after the war, IG Farben, of course, was closely affiliated with the Holocaust. It was even discovered that it was IG Farben engineers who designed mm -hmm. the gas chambers. Yeah. And they did that so they could sell the Zyklon B. It was a financial deal. This was a gigantic pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And they had affiliates all over the world, and they were concerned they were going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they changed the name of the company. And IG Farben changed its name to Hurt AG. Mm -hmm. And Hurt AG survived, and they have affiliates all over the world now, including the United States. Yeah. One of their affiliates is a company called Roussal Uclof in France. Mm -hmm. Roussal Uclof is the company that developed RU486. Mm -hmm. RU stands for Roussal Uclof. 486 is April of 86 when they released it. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, the gas that was used in the Nazi concentration camps and the drugs that are used in American abortion clinics, abortion yeah. clinics were developed by the same exact people and Chilling. for the same exact reason. To insulate from the gore. To insulate the killers from the victims. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that's never talked about. You could not put a gun to the head of every media person in this country and make them talk about this. Mm -hmm. They won't. But the fact is... Zyklon B and RU-46 were developed by the same people for the same reason. As a nation, we don't want to think about this. No, obviously not. That our Holocaust is just as bad as the previous one. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the Nazis are accused of killing 6 million. We're over 60 million now. Well, and nobody likes the idea that the perpetrators of the Nazi Holocaust are still around and free to cause damage and having an impact on the world today. Right. We want to think of the Nazi Holocaust as being over and taken care of. Of course, you look at the American Birth Control League, who had deep ties with the Nazi Party. In right. fact, some of them, even the Nazi Party, gave them awards and had them over there and praised them. Conducted seminars with them and conventions. Yeah. And, of course, the American Birth Control League knew that they were having problems with being associated with the Nazis after the war. So they changed their name right. to Planned Parenthood. Just like I.G. Farben did. Mm -hmm. Exactly the same situation. 
Yep. And uh, now, of course, Planned Parenthood is the number one profiteer of abortion in America. They do more abortions, make more money off abortion than anyone else in the country. You know, one of the things that these guys have tried to do is to convince American women that there's a moral distinction between killing your baby with RU-46 mm-hmm. and killing your baby in a mechanical abortion where the head's chopped off and the chest is crushed and then it's put in a garbage disposal or chopped up and sold for parts or whatever it may have. Yeah. There may be a difference in the actual mechanics of the death. Yeah. But morally it's the same. Yeah. And the analogy that I would make here is if we have, let's say, two spouses mm-hmm. on trial for killing their spouse. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got a man over here accused of killing his wife. Mm-hmm. He shot her mm-hmm. or he cut her throat or whatever. This other man over here, you cyanide to poison his wife. Mm-hmm. Do we say that because the second man's murder was less grotesque mm-hmm. and less visually upsetting, that it was more moral? Absolutely not. Why not? If we're going to say that about RU-46, which some people in the uh, do seem to believe this, women have been sold this, yeah. and they literally think, oh, I'm pregnant, I take this pill, and I'm not pregnant. Well, I think the women believe this until it comes time for the actual pill to kick in, and all of a sudden the cramps, the bleeding, and then they start passing a dead baby. But by then, the, yeah, the, the money is the, in the bank account of the abortion yeah, clinic. the money has been transferred, the right. woman has taken the pills, and they've washed their hands of it. And the other concept we need to point out here is that, remember when Plan B came out? Mm-hmm. Let's remember something that happened, mm-hmm. that we said would happen and it did. Mm-hmm. The British did a study because they had had Plan B as an over-the-counter mm-hmm. drug for some time before we did it. Yeah, They went back and did a study on it and found out that a very high percentage of Plan B was being bought by older men. Shocker. Yeah, really stunning, isn't it? I'm just blown away. I wonder who those older men were buying. Were they buying it from themselves? <laughs> no. <laughs> These are older men. Nope who prey on young girls for sex, underage girls. Yep. And every one of these scumbags know that the most likely way I'm going to get caught is if she turns up pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But if he's exercising the kind of control over this child to the degree he can have sex with her, then she'll go along with the pill. And if you go to our Child Predators website, you can see the proof that predators use abortion as a safety net to cover up their tracks. Yeah, and when these girls don't go for it, very often they're killed or put in a nursing home. Yeah, and our Under the Radar report, which talks about the women who are attacked for refusing to have abortions. Right. A number of those cases in there are teenagers. Or girls. Yeah. Young girls. Yeah, some of them as old as like 14 years old. Right, as young as 14. Oh, yeah, sorry, as young as 14 years old. And we've talked about this many times before. The American abortion industry is part and parcel Mm -hmm. of the sex trafficking of of young girls. Yeah. And when you look at the fact that even the most conservative estimates are that among girls in this country, 15 and younger, not older, that get pregnant, 60 to 80% are impregnated by adults. Yeah. Now, the second that this RU-46 is available to be purchased in the mail, Yeah. right? Yeah. Who do you think is going to be buying a significant amount of that drug? Well, and another thing to mention... It's going to be pedophiles, by the way. Yeah, another thing to mention is that after Plan B came out, 
there have been actual cases of where some men have tried to slip the drug into oh, yeah. the food right. of the women that they were sleeping with to get them to abort the pregnancy. Right. Yeah, we covered that in the, the show we did on that particular subject, and we've got some documentation of that on our website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it goes back to the original feminists in this country who were universally opposed to the legalization of abortion. When we go back to the early days, and we're talking about even in the 1800s, mm-hmm. these women saw that legalized abortion was another way for sexually irresponsible and sexually predatory males to victimize women. And that's what we're seeing playing today. And that's exactly what has happened. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. Yeah. There's lots of money in it. There's lots of political power in it. And that's what matters far more than any of these women. Well, all this comes back to money in the end. It always does. I mean, the abortion industry is there to make money. Abortion is their product. Everything right. else is just, it's like the sprinkles on top of a right. cookie, right? Exactly. It's not their main deal. And one thing I want us to mention before we go is a lot of women don't fully understand or recognize that even a lot of the mainstream or common forms of birth control can actually cause abortions. Yes, absolutely. Anything, not just is designed to work this way, but Mm -hmm. has the potential to work after fertilization, Mm -hmm. that's an abortion. Yep. And a lot of these birth control pills, they'll say they're designed to prevent conception or fertilization. But, but they'll also say mm-hmm. that in some cases, when it does not work to prevent fertilization, it will cause the fertilized egg to slough off the uterus and be discharged. That is an abortion. Yep. And you're never going to see these trendy ads that you see on television for girls to get on birth control pills. And it's like you're with it today, hip. You're empowered. Right, empowered woman. Well, a lot of times the selling points of these birth controls is actually get your period only once every six months. Or once a year or never. (laughs) Yeah. I know there's one out right now, Tulane and my wife and I were watching the other night, and it said one of the consequences of this is that your periods may become lighter Mm -hmm. or less frequent and may disappear altogether. Is that a good thing? Yeah, really. You know, think about it. What if... I know this is a preposterous example, but let's just say. Keep it PG, Mark. (laughs) Jack's secret sauce that's put on Jack in the Box hamburgers. Okay. Right? Okay. I don't eat Jack in the Box, so I'll take your word for it. Okay. But I mean, they have a thing they call the secret sauce because they don't tell you what's in it, right? It's a secret. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I, I get the name here. (laughs) And I'm a little bit nervous about eating anything that people tell me. We don't, this is a secret. We're not going to That's like going back to old old cafeteria food where you're not really sure what it is. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Just eat it and shut up. It's the uh, special of the day. Right. It's the special mystery meat. <laughs> right. But anyway, if you found out that Jack's secret sauce, mm-hmm. if there was a study done that says this stuff might be dangerous, it causes women to not have periods anymore. That stuff would be off the market in 30 mm-hmm. minutes. Yep. But if it's sold as a birth control pill. Then oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. It's, it's amazing. Yep. And if you want to hear more about birth control, we did a really good episode with Dr. Angela Lanfranchi, and I will put the link to that episode in the description. I really recommend you go check it out because there's a lot of stuff that you don't know about birth control that you should. So go listen to that episode. Like the fact that it's a steroid. Mm -hmm. It's a class one carcinogen, which is the same category (laughs) as asbestos. Now you notice that (laughs) whenever a house has asbestos, there's the hazmat suits, the house is put in a tent. 
Yep. It's thousands of dollars millions to get it removed, of millions to get, <laughs> get stuff dealt with. Right. But a birth control pill and a nice little box and your CVS, Walgreens, whatever it well, may be. Like one of the things Angela told me years and years ago, she said, I am livid as a woman mm-hmm. that in a high school, yeah. you've got 250-pound male athletes. And if they're caught taking steroids, we think all these horrible things. His career's over. We think all horrible things are happening. Mm -hmm. If the coaches knew about it, they're gone. They're Mm -hmm. out. But right down the hall where the cheerleaders are, we give them steroids. Well, if you just look at all the effects that birth control has had, and including some of the IUDs, and IUDs have actually killed women. So if you look at some of the stuff that has come out about birth control, there are a number of women who are upset because basically they've just allowed these horrible things to be sold to women. Yep. No one cares. Anybody thinks the abortion industry cares anything about women. Yeah. I want to encourage you. Go out and read about a guy named Harvey Carmen. Okay. He invented a thing called the super coil. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. Go study about that. You can read about it online. And there is no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. How many women died as a result of this? Not many in America, because once it got dangerous in America, mm-hmm. he had to quit using it here. But they went to foreign countries. They went to Africa and started experimenting on so women. Disgusting. Where it was discovered they could literally go to a chieftain or whatever in a certain area and buy some women to use for experiments. <sighs> and how many of these women died from the supercoil? There's no way of knowing. But go read about Harvey Carmen and the supercoil. It's a very interesting deal. And he was a practicing abortionist here in America and yeah. highly regarded. And um, the abortion industry knew what he was doing, and they didn't care. As you know their, what their attitude was? Mm-hmm. They kill a woman. It's not like she's the last woman on earth. There's other ones out there. Don't worry about it. Disgusting. We move on. As always, all the links are going to be in the description. If you're listening to this on Apple iTunes and you don't see the links, it's actually in a different section. But when you click on the episode, there's a little link there that you can go to more information and the links you'll find there. So anyway, check out the links to some of the stuff that we're talking about. If you like the episode, make sure you follow our podcast on any of the podcast platforms that we're on, such as Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM. The list is endless almost, it seems like. And then also, if you like this, make sure you leave a rating or review on the podcast platform that you use. Those reviews are really good because it encourages other people to listen. And and you need to be out encouraging other people to listen. Yes. Doing it word Get of mouth. Get this information out because this is really important information yep. that obviously the abortion industry is never going to talk about. No, and the media. Their, yeah. their lackeys in the media are never going to talk about it. Yeah. In the media right now, all this talk about the RU486 stuff is oh, this is so great. And the only people who have a problem with this are these aunties over here. Aunties, right. That's you and me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, they act like we're supposed to be insulted by them calling us anti-choice. I'm anti any choice that results in women being exposed to danger and babies being killed. Yep. Yes, I'm anti that choice. Yeah. So I'm not alarmed by that or insulted by it. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Until next Thursday, remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. Mm -mm, We're here to win. Because winning is how the killing stops. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.